Broken and Smoking podcast episode 020. We into the second decade finally. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's amazing. Uh, so this is our Brandon was is our third episode with you, right? I think One second official. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, we got a great little song here by Steve Winwood, uh, The Finer Things. Uh, which is a cool little 80s tune, I think, from 86. We tend to uh, gravitate towards the 80s songs. I wonder why that is. I don't know. Oh, it's, what, yeah. it's a good song. Right. So uh, we, we picked this song on purpose because uh, family business, it can be a little unclear exactly what are the finer things. You know, is it this business or is it this family or is it this relationship? Yeah, is it profit? Is it ease you know as an inheritance like you know yeah. so, so it can be a little unclear what the finer things are and we'd love for those to come shining through so we're going to talk about that today with your family business uh, that you've been part of second generation and uh, that's right right your good choice yeah, yeah second gen. gen yep so uh, we'll get to that and then uh, also uh by way of introduction brandon kenny ttx ceo top dog right Big man on the partner. Pole. Yep. Yeah, partner. Partner owner, yep. So, yes. Sometime we'll have to get Scott in here. He probably wouldn't do it. He probably <laughs> would. Would he? Yeah, he wouldn't want to come into Steve Winwood, though. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, we could fix that. Dude, we'd have We're to do like some, Slayer. Or or rat, maybe. Or, yeah, some 80s hair metal. Well, it'd have to be intense hair metal for him. Yeah, he goes he goes a little further than just the intense stuff. Okay. He won't tell you that on the face of it, but okay. he likes a lot All of right. music. Well, so uh, it's great having you always. Oh, we love doing this with you. And uh, we've been going through this Team of Rivals book, Doris Kearns Goodwin. Uh, you slackers are <laughs> at 16. I'm done. Hey, I'm working. I've been done. I've been done. Just a little heads up every once in a while. It'd be nice <laughs> that you made that much progress. I, I went past you, I think, last you time we talked. You did. You crushed yeah. it. And I was like, whoa, I'm way, I'm way out of the loop. And you got to so, give him some cred here. Yeah. You're reading the book. Oh, like yeah. we, oh, you're not reading it? I'm doing audio. What's the papers in the book? Well, I. That's <laughs> yeah, for reference. I am. Do, I'm doing both. I am, I, but I did it on audio, and then would come back to All the right, book and kind of yeah. poke through it and find stuff. Audio. Th- gotcha. That's one thing I don't like about audio. Even though um, you can, so I'm on Scribd, and I think you can do it on on, on Audible, where you can hit a little uh, button, like a bookmark, bookmark or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, but what I noticed it does is when you go back to listen to the bookmarks, it resets where you are in the book, which is not helpful. It's like, man, so it's really it's, annoyed me. Yeah, yeah. And also I'm listening while I'm driving along Yeah. and it's a real pain to try to like, Oh, I want to bookmark that or back it up 30 seconds. And mm-hmm. yeah. it's, well, it's dangerous. It may be unlawful. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just don't do it. I mean, I'm like, I, yeah. and it, that's the one thing I don't like about audio books uh, because I'm almost always driving or doing something yeah. while I'm yeah. listening. I get it. So mm-hmm. anyway, I but, got some air travel coming up yeah. in the next couple of weeks. So yeah. I, I'll get some get, cranked out pages get, here soon. Awesome. Well, so what do you, uh, oh, oh yeah, we got some, some nice. Let's get this started here. Yes. Cheers. Cheers. Lodestone TTX. Hey, thanks for the invite. Yeah, buddy. Astrovia. Astrovia. Jivoli. Hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, we've been uh, pounding away on this book. Takeaways so far, observations. Boy, he had a tough lot 
mm. when he came in as president. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man, I did not realize just how deep it was mm-hmm. with the country falling apart and mm-hmm. potential war overseas and the, the capital coming unglued, getting snuck in to the White House. It was not the opportunity. Yeah, speaking of family business stuff, it is not the way you picture it when you become president. And there's maybe, a lot. There's a lot of family book. business, and that's just mm-hmm. doesn't. It's not the way you picture it. Maybe mm-hmm. as a second or third generation mm-hmm. the way it plays out, but yeah, it, it was just an incredibly stressful scene there uh, when he was finally elected. Yeah, can you imagine get being what, what, then the election was in October, I think, or something, wasn't it? Um. Seemed, seemed like it was. Exactly. Wasn't, I, can't sounds right. I can't remember the date. So can you imagine getting elected and then after the election, half the country leaving the country before you even get into office? It's just like it's just ridiculous. I can't imagine him in his own quiet. I mean, this doesn't really come out in the book necessarily, but you would imagine as he laid his head down on the pillow, like, what now? Or like, how? Mm-hmm. how is this my... Yeah, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Like, yeah. this is my, I like, he hasn't even started yet. Like, he's basically yeah. like, it's like the first day of onboarding of your new job. Yeah. Like, hey, by the way, can you bring us all back together? Yeah. <laughs> but it, that was wild. You know, another thing that was interesting was uh, around this stage is uh, they come into Washington and it was unclear if Maryland was going to secede. Mm. And Virginia had just seceded i think the virginia uh, was the first right it was it led or, the way or yeah. it, was, it was a major i don't think it was a first but it was unclear if they were gonna and then they did okay but maryland if maryland had seceded the entire capital was going to be surrounded by mm. the south yep you know and they didn't even know where they were gonna how are they gonna even set up a new government mm. with a new president who hasn't even taken office it's yeah. without and the president had next to no support system either yeah you know as a governor anyway, super spartan yeah he had nothing it's like hey let's get that guy to come you know yeah. it was very very he didn't have uh assistance he didn't have you know people hauling his stuff around mm-hmm. he didn't have a home office hardly of anything of, of substance so, like Seward, someone like Seward had a, a pretty significant support system for a long time, yeah. having been governor and all that. So that was that. I, I had no idea how dicey that was yeah. for the country. I mean, we could have been done. Yeah, we should have been. It done. was right. It was on yeah. the doorstep. It seemed. Mm-hmm. And then I had no idea about the foreign, uh, the English French, uh, p- potential of war. With the guys from the south going over yeah. there to try and yeah. you know keep the trade going yeah. and all that. Yeah. If they had done that, we, the north would have been done. Yeah. It was it was it was that close, uh, and I didn't I knew nothing about yeah. that. I don't yeah, remember either. being I don't remember being taught hardly any of this. Mm. As no, a, I don't as either. A, as a youth, it was like maybe two or three days almost. Maybe yeah. If you're lucky. Well, it was like something about a cherry tree. No, that was Washington, and yeah. which was. untrue as well apparently it might have been the school system we went to yeah okay yeah it was also uh something i i don't remember here well this is kind of deeper so maybe wouldn't expect it but how strategic he was in not only the men he chose for the cabinet but how he did it Mm. the gameplay about like this guy can't be first to get this offer because if he is he'll be offended by the post and Mm -hmm. he kind of needs to fall backwards into this place Mm -hmm. so he like 
it seemed like he was running a plan from the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. Where he knew where everybody needed to be, but he wanted everybody to kind of agree yeah. at some level that yeah. that was the right sequence between the treasury and the war. And yeah. it uh, was really uh, fascinating how just yeah. how smart he was about that. It was almost like he got them to conceive of the plan he already had in his yep. mind and then they felt like yes. they owned it or they felt like oh yeah that's our plan and he's like yep. yeah i thought it up six months ago yeah. or whatever and it, yeah but he was so pride less that he was fine for them to think it was their idea yeah you know and just the things just moved moved yeah. on in the mm-hmm. way he wanted them to mm-hmm. and it, it was a lesson in the sense that it's not only the decision you make that can prove to be right or wrong, but also how you go about implementing that decision can either help it to succeed or because it very easily could have vaporized. Those guys didn't like each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of them were comp- on a completely opposite sides of the spectrum. Yeah. And that, especially with chase, uh, gas gets dumped on that mm-hmm. throughout the rest of the story. Yeah. And his daughter uh, helps with it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing at how, how much I'm gonna call it vitriol mm-hmm. Chase has um, for being, especially for being a quote man of character, mm-hmm. and like he has the least character of all of them. Yeah, in this at least, it sure seems that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's kind of sad. It's complicated. He seemed like a very complicated individual. Mm-hmm. A lot of layers yeah. to him. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Uh, what? What, uh, so have you gotten to to where they're in the White House? Yes. And there's, you know, with Mary Todd Lincoln. Oh, my gosh, her, what a show. Where, uh, it, her redecorating and. It's overspent. Oh, yeah. I was really yeah. disappointed by yeah. that. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I didn't think there'd be that much corruption. And Yeah, and politicking. Why wouldn't I think, not think that? I mean, yeah. yeah. That, it just surprised me for some reason. I don't know. I could identify, I think she took a moment to use her words very carefully in writing it, just how mm-hmm. deeply disturbed he was by the fact that the nation was completely broken and at war on all sides, mm-hmm. and they overspent on curtains. Mm-hmm. Just, like, coming to yeah, grips and, with and, the and fact, and like, how are we going to get approvals? Yeah, and she <laughs> was kind of obsessed with, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that was her, like, the, 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 the world, the, the biggest... The biggest pivot in human history, you know, as far as, hey, should we or should we not enslave people mm-hmm. just because they look different or are from a, you know, that's a big deal. And it's taken a long time for humankind, most of humankind, to kind of go, no, we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And the Civil War was, and the American Civil War was a major, a major, uh, it kind of slammed the door yeah, shut. Maybe the last, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Bastion England had done time. some of that with with what's his name Wilberforce, and but to think that the guy's wife is like out to lunch here, mm. and it's like, well, you know, we're gonna get some new curtains. And it wasn't just a little bit. Yeah, it was. Yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, maybe again to the original point about Lincoln coming in. I'm sure she had a different picture of what it would be like to finally arrive in the White House. You know, they, mm-hmm. they told the story about how, mm-hmm. you know, Lincoln had experienced in her mind several unfair defeats mm-hmm. and they had been kept at their level, you know, and he had either been humble or let others, you know, go in front of him 
in legal course cases and also in political. And I think maybe she thought, well, we finally made it. And these are the things that you get when you mm. arrive. And mm -hmm. maybe it was just tone deaf mm. <laughs> to some extent as to how severe what was going on was. Yeah. You remember that, speaking of legal cases, early on in the, in the, uh, in the not story, but in the, you know, history here, he had gone to Cincinnati to yeah. uh, what he thought he was going to write gonna this try big a case. brief yep. or write something. And he wrote this piece or brief or something, uh, and they made fun of him and, and shoot him yep. away. Well, that guy was Stanton. Mm -hmm. And Stanton ends up becoming the, yep. I think, Secretary of War. And at the end of the book or toward the end, she does kind of a wrap-up. I'm like, here's what happened to Stanton and here's what happened. You know how at an end of a movie where it's a real story yeah. and they say, or oh, here's the real guy. Yes. Here's mm -hmm. what he's doing or here's where he went. It's kind of like that. And it's really helpful. Well, Stanton ended up kind of going, going back to his, I think, his former law partner and saying, hey, we screwed up. Like Lincoln did this whole thing with that case. And that's why that case turned out so good as we borrowed a bunch of his stuff and he was really the genius behind it. Wow. And he wrote all of it. They thought maybe he had had somebody else do it. Hmm. Uh, they had no idea he had written that himself. And he had really high praise for this quote-unquote illiterate country bumpkin who yeah. who thought circles around them. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And yep. it was really cool to uh, – it was sad that he didn't get that accolade personally, you know. But mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, that was a cool, yeah. cool closing. Yeah. So. yeah, he was persistent in that prior to the presidency of – being defeated in these really humble ways and not harboring ill will or animosity. And yeah. that ultimately propelled him to where he ended up and was yeah. the man we needed. I've heard people say, especially somebody like Glenn Beck and, and others say, uh, Lincoln and Washington are the two most important presidents ever, uh, or maybe most important Americans. Mm. And I never really understood that. I mean, I, I guess I believe it, but yeah. I didn't have any reason to understand it. And after reading this, and I've read uh, The Real George Washington, um, which is a really fabulous book, by the way, uh, I, think they're, I think they're right. Other people that say that, I think they're right. Without Washington, we wouldn't have America as we know it in a significant way. And without Lincoln, I don't think America would exist. Yeah. And I think we would be two or like three it was four over. countries. Yep. And, yep. The, another thing that I didn't realize around that period of time, they were talking about, uh, around the middle of the book here, they were talking about how the South was poised. If the South had won that election, um, slavery not only was going to be legal in the South, they were going to make it legal everywhere, and it was going to become, it was yeah. going to be the exact opposite, where we would have a... Mm -hmm constitutional amendment saying slavery is the thing mm -hmm. they were going to force it on the north and yep. i had no idea that was in the works mm -hmm. either so seemed like in order to support its continuing on it had to go either it had to go wider and with the whole uh, california purchase mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. the result of the mexican-american mm -hmm. war and the fact that the Taxpayer funds were used to wage that war and get that land. The South said, "Hey, we, those are tax money that that's tax money we contribute. Yeah. We ought to be able to expand yeah. 
there as well, yeah, yeah. not just the north. Yeah. And if they're going to expand there, then you got to be able to expand everywhere. Yeah. Um, and this is a little further down the pipe in this book, but, uh, well, as far as that, the ending, like what these guys did at the end, Seward, um, went on to be, uh, what do they call it? Uh, secretary of state yeah. for, um, Grant. And then for, for who was after Grant? Whoever was after Grant, I don't remember. And Seward, they called it Seward's Folly because Seward did the deal where he bought Alaska. That was Seward's idea. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I'm like, oh. I didn't either. And Seward, Seward, Alaska. Alaska yeah. yeah, I've been there uh, on my canoe trip. And yeah. I'm like, whoa, I didn't, I had no, no concept of yeah, any of that. Me neither. That was, that was really cool. Uh, so, and when he retired, him and his wife took, it took them eight months. But they took some sort of trains and boats and stuff, got to Alaska. They got up there. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. So, interesting stuff. Mm. Well, I'm glad you guys are reading this along with us. So we're looking forward to, uh, we'll do one more uh, episode at some point, maybe in a month or so, uh, when uh, we get to the completion. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. I love it. All right. So I want to ask you, Brandon, about family business. And, you know, it's it's funny uh, when sometimes uh, when clients of mine are trying to develop a i guess a unique or go hey we're special because of x and a lot of times they'll say because we're a family business Mm. you know and i'm like you know most businesses are family businesses like you know i mean not corporations but even in corporations like the ford company it's a family business still um so uh, there are a lot of people that have a lot of context for family business either uh, their folks or cousins or sisters and brothers are involved in one or they have good friends that are involved in one so uh, there's a lot of common issues a lot of common problems a lot of common victories or maybe rare victories uh, but I wanted to ask you specifically about family business because you are um, you have you've made it through the couple of really tough transitions that yeah. a lot of people don't make it through and they don't make it through in a couple ways they don't make it through the business doesn't make it through where it's not intact it blows up partnerships and so forth blow up uh the business implodes the clients run away the you know the best talent flees all that sort of thing disruption the disruption is is terminal yeah um also uh the family doesn't make it <laughs> you know through there there's there are uh, there are times I can't tell. I mean, there are times when I'm in a session with a family business, and divorce is on the table, mm-hmm. like as an issue. Where we're going, all right, should we stay married or should we oh. run this business? Like we can't do both, you know. And I I've had that happen like three or four times, mm-hmm. and it is intense. I'm like, man, I better put on my thinking cap yeah. now, buddy. We'll do some good work. This is this is where I make my living, you know, right there, and it's really intense and scary. But but there's that. So, uh, but you you have navigated through this time with both intact, the both the business and the family, mm. uh, and it seems like from my perspective, both are better because of it. I think as so. Well, so I'd just love for you to talk about this. Give 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 us a little 
background, first of all? Well, I'm humbled by the question. Uh, it's obviously very close to my heart, so uh, I could probably go on for a long time about it. But from a background standpoint, uh, my dad and his business partner started the company in 1980. Uh, and it was founded as a business in the uh, telephone side of the world, telecommunications. And uh, sales, service, uh, ongoing support, project work for phone systems for businesses. Um, so, you know, soldiered out on their own, took, took dangerous amounts of, of loans and, um, you know, put themselves, staked themselves individually and their families on the idea mm -hmm. that they would be able to turn it into a business that would make yeah. money. Well, 1982, uh, 80, 1982, yeah. um, was a really, really touchy time yeah. in our nation. You know, a lot of inflation, a lot of turmoil, the uh, Iranian hostage crisis, yeah. uh, nuclear stuff. What was what was Russia doing? You know, money. Uh, it yeah. was uh, interest rates were way up. Yeah. Uh, it was a tough, tough time to take out a bunch of loans and start a mm -hmm. business. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it, it was an interesting time in that space too, and there was some opportunity. Uh, with the way that the the big bell companies had mm. changed and the opportunity for private phone systems mm. to emerge as a technology and not rent that stuff but actually buy it as a business and mm. get a return on investment um so there's there's you know pages and pages of the story of that uh, but they founded the business in 1980 uh equal partners and um and that business had a lot of success through the 80s and 90s, um, had a really anchor relationship with one key manufacturer, and we were their largest manufacturer in the United States as a phone system made in Israel. We were a part, at, as an organization, not me yet, obviously, but as an organization, a part of building that and um, building that actual phone system and then selling it here. And um, took on carrier services, selling phone lines, internet access, and that kind of thing. And uh, you know, to fast forward, I came in in 2004, and the industry was at a, a huge new transition from the traditional technologies to voice over IP. And a lot of uh, organizations were trying to decide if they were going to have IT and telecommunications as separate divisions of their business or if they were going to kind of consolidate that. And it was mm -hmm. clear that um, in that consolidation that the telecommunications guys were going to lose out because mm -hmm. IT was at that stage in the early 2000s becoming the way that everybody was going to mm -hmm. transact business. So when I came in, had a business degree out of college, mm -hmm. uh, never wanted anything but to work for my dad. Mm. Um, and it's funny, you know, he and I never really had a serious conversation about me coming to work there. Mm. Uh, uh, I just always wanted it, and I, it was kind of just a natural path. He he did not force it on me, and I know in some families it's kind of that's a yoke that the next generation has to throw off mm. of like you know this isn't what I want for myself or anything. I always wanted it, and. Um, I saw my dad go to work in a suit and with a briefcase, and mm. that's what I wanted. So <clears throat> I came in in 2004 and had an entry-level sales job. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what I was going to get paid. Uh, we didn't talk about compensation. Really? You know, I just started. <laughs> um, I started and figured those things out, you know, shortly thereafter. I knew there was a desk waiting for me, and um, so I didn't have to interview. You know, I, I've never huh. had to interview for a job. Well, that's uh, so that's, you know part of my own story, but it's mm. part of the family business thing for sure. Um, and it, so the industry was in a lot of transition and so was the business at that time with the change in technology. So it was a really tumultuous part of the story. Um, the manufacturer that we had had all those years 
the quality was really starting to suffer because they were cr- trying to make that jump. Uh, it was kind of like BlackBerry trying to make a touchscreen phone mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the companies that made uh, d- uh, film photography jumping right into digital where this is chasm. And um, most manufacturers that made the stuff in the 80s and 90s had a really hard time with VoIP. And so it was a kind of a whole new set of players emerging. And that was a lot of disruption. And for the first year or two in sales, I, I just wasn't sure if it was this the organization was going to be what I wanted it to be. I, I remember calling my then fiance, now wife, um, when we were, we were dating, she was still in college and I had graduated and was living at homework in there talking about the fact, I just wasn't sure if it was going to work out just because the, the, the product change was so much, the leadership hmm. changing out was so much. And, uh, and decided to stick, decided to, you know, let's figure this out and bear down. And that's when Scott, who's my business partner now, but is my dad's partner son, started to kind of band together. And we, we started selling and represented running a, a voiceover IP product that we believed in. And it just started to take it one deal at a time and basically start to kind of change the organization, hmm. f- building new relationship with that vendor and, and hmm. getting clients on that product. And uh, that's when we really hit. So 2008, 2009, um, you know, very difficult economic times. And also really at that point, a 30-year-old business that kind of needed to start transitioning. That's when we kind of hit the wall, so to speak, as the sec- first and second gen. And uh, my dad and I fought a lot at that time. And uh, and how I, old are you around this time? Um, late 20s? Yeah, late 20s. Yep. I just turned 40, so back it up. And had you – so uh, – so I wanted to ask you a couple things about that. Let me pause you right there. Um, so you're a kid. Your dad's got this business. Now, so uh, you grew up in a family that had always had that business, right? Yes. So uh, you're sitting around the dinner table talking about Teletronics. At that point, it was Teletronics. Not much. Not much. It was Teletronics then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't rebrand until 14. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> those things stayed separated. You know, family dinner. We had family dinner almost every night. Mm. So my dad was home for dinner and, um, you know, modeled that for me. Um, but there was a, it seemed a division wall between like, we didn't talk about his day, you know, like the meetings he had or the new client mm. that he had gotten or, you know, what was happening. Um, those weren't, and I think he was doing that out of respect for the, for the family, not bringing work home. I think that was kind of the, maybe wisdom of that time or, or zeitgeist of, of businessmen at that time was just like, Hey, you work, you keep work at work and, mm-hmm. you know, keep your family to some extent separate from it. Um, I don't think it was done in a, you know, in a, an intentionally disruptive way, but it wasn't something I had much visibility to, or we did. Um, I saw him, you know, he played golf with his friends and would pay, play business golf and plan outings and, we do like company events where I'd see the company together, like do a cookout or, you know, go to a baseball game. I remember those were always, those were bright memories for me. Mm. I would go in with him during the summers and do like office jobs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, clean up the warehouse or uh, mow the lawn. Um, mm. And it was fun for me to go in and get some stuff out of the snack mm. machine and play. We used to do a lot of shipping. I used to play in a huge box, like mm-hmm. an old refrigerator box of packing peanuts. Yeah. So I used to play in the packing peanut box and, uh, those are really fun memories for me. I think it just, yeah. you know, because I was consistently exposed at that level, I just had this really bright picture of what it would be like to yeah. work for him. Well, did he, so during that time, would he, as you're driving into, driving into work with him, 
You know, he's like, now, someday, son, you're going to, no. wouldn't you? Like nothing? Nothing like that. Huh. No. It's interesting. I know since, you know, he and I have a very healthy relationship now, and some of that, it was helpful to write to each other, like either in, you know, like uh, cards around special occasions or, um, you know, passing some thoughts back and forth. Um, we both recognize that now. Like I, he, he never had a formal conversation with me about a someday conversation, and I never had one either it was just i think even at one point i think in his words it was like we kind of just both knew that's the way it was going to go hmm. in a good way like i said not a not a compulsive way hmm. so you know it's you said something here about never having never interviewed um and i think that that is uh we'll talk about that like yeah. has that how does that impacted your so as a ceo you're not only interviewing you're interviewing your top people yeah you know so you're, you're at 35 40 folks right roughly um and you've given a lot of interviews i'm yeah. guessing right over yeah. the last you know 12 14 years yeah so how has uh having never interviewed how has that been a blind spot for you and how has that been a boon if yeah. you will well my dad was, is is still an extremely hard worker and he has, um, he's a strong person that has a, a way of his presence being known and has I, many people would say they're intimidated by him. I think just his kind of presence. So not interviewing, I still knew the expectations were very high. Hmm. Um, I was clear on the fact that failure was not going to be an option, so to speak, and that I wasn't going to be the, the kid who got away with, you know, not working and still having a job. I think from a blind spot standpoint, um, and the thing that I saw later, you know, I, I didn't, so I didn't work directly for my dad. At that time, my dad was a CEO. He had a sales manager. I worked for the sales manager. And I, I wonder how the sales manager interpreted that um, because I think about it now. And, uh, you know, if you're going to give somebody responsibility and, and then hold them accountable to results, they do need to have at least a say. In mm -hmm. who works for them, who's on the team. Yeah. So your dad just kind of go, hey, sales sales manager, here's this kid. Yeah. You know, 22 years old or whatever. I don't know the conversation. And he may have had a total airing out, clearing out session where mm -hmm. they taught my dad discussed it with him. And, um, but he and I had he. So the sales manager ended up working with us for quite some time after I I took over sales management and eventually the organization along mm -hmm. with my partner, and. Uh, we had a complicated relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. 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 I, did you, well, you don't have to go into detail. I mean, but th this is, this is the challenge of family business. There's all these overlapping histories and connections and so forth. And you're not sure. So for instance, this, this poor fella like had no say apparently in hiring you, which means he has no say in managing. Well, you're expected to manage, but you really can't do anything about. Yeah. If you don't have that big, that one big lever in your toolbox, which mm -hmm. is yes or no to this employee. Yeah. Well, then you really can't. Uh, I think it's kind of unfair to the manager to expect them to yeah. manage that person. Yeah. I And again, I don't know all the conversations that happened maybe between the two of them, but what I do know is that I did not interview with him to take the job. So he didn't know me. Oh. I had almost no interaction with him before starting. Mm. Um, 
and I didn't know him. I mean, I didn't choose him, so to speak, like if you're an interviewee, um, you know, but you know, it was a huge blessing to be, have a job. Um, so I was, you know, glad to have the job and I would have taken it, I'm sure whether I'd met him beforehand or not, but, um, but yeah, that did, it was unique. It's, I I would imagine with many family businesses, that's unique, uh, or could be if, if that's the way it's done. And as my dad being an owner, he, you know, it's his prerogative. He can, you can make those choices. Mm -hmm. It's a question of, you know, probably like we were talking about with Lincoln earlier, it's not necessarily the decision, but how you do it and how you organize the, Mm. how you, how you get people aligned with the decision you'd like to have made. I heard a, uh, I heard a story, uh, from a client about a business. I won't use any other names, but, um, I'm, I'm guessing this business is 300 million or something like that. I mean, it's, and it's old, it's been around for 130 years Mm -hmm. and I don't know what generation that'd be, you know, seven or something. Um, and, uh, talking about this interview and jumping right out of college into this business Mm -hmm. of your dad's, et cetera. Um, so in this family, uh, there was a family member, daughter who had, who was taken over the business. Um, and she married a fellow who had is just gotten his MBA from Harvard. And they sat down with the guy and said, Hey buddy, don't even think about it. Like you got nothing here. There's nothing like, you know, and we won't even interview you hmm. for five years. Like you, if you ever want to work here, first of all, we won't interview you until you go work somewhere else for five years. Uh, and then don't talk to us if you want to interview. Go and apply for, the, for a job yeah. here. But uh, we're not going to. Yeah. There are no, I don't know, uh, golden pathways yeah. or whatever you want to call yeah. that. Yep. And then when you do interview, um, we're not going to promote you. We're going to let the staff and whatever, how, wherever you end up landing, if they mm-hmm. like you, and we're not going to let them know that you're one of us. And, and if you tell them, uh, we're going to fire you. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it was hardcore. Yeah. Uh, but 25 years later, the guy's running the business mm. and it's way better for it too and it's now i mean it's easy to say that stuff and kind of maybe it's anecdotal but um but uh it's just it's interesting how many different pathways people take into these yeah second third fourth generation family businesses also i heard another read another stat i get this family what's that magazine called family oh, business yeah, I've, seen or, I've seen when you have that floating around yeah and it's it's a great magazine it's got a lot of a lot of really good articles family business family something rather and um uh, I think there, I think it was in there that I saw this arc or this life cycle, if you will, for family business that often, you know, first generation starts it, second generation, uh, generally grows it because they take mom or dad's, you know, product or service they came up with and they second generation kind of turns it into a they just get better at running the company. They really have no product or service yeah. genius, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then third generation kind of like just rides that wave, and it, there's this momentum that carries it up. Yeah. And then fourth generation are just cokeheads, <laughs> and they literally just go off to some Ivy League school and yeah. smoke 
putt mm-hmm. and, and crash and burn and and the yep. thing gets sold off to wherever and and that that's the normal cycle. Yep. Um. So so it's uh, I'm interested in your kids. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> You're yeah. gonna I mean, have you processed? Now, so yeah. your oldest is what, 13, 12, 13? 12, almost 13, yeah. Yeah. So any any significant convos or thoughts about that? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, I think one of the things I've, um, the, one of the lessons I've learned is that when you, when you work with, with your dad or you, you work with your son, I mean, if I can project to my dad, um, it changes the context of your father-son relationship. So uh, you have multiple levels on which you communicate. And it can be tough to keep those things in their proper place and not have them spill over into the other areas. So I think when it comes to that time, I'll weigh carefully the cost Hmm. to the father-daughter relationship in my case with my four daughters. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll weigh that carefully uh, because I I wouldn't want to trade something that I hope is great. It was, you know, mind blowing a great relationship with my daughters. Um, I would consider the cost and the the terms of that so that mm. that primary context is not lost or disrupted yeah. significantly. Which mm. I would say that you know my dad and I our relationship was in the crucible there where it kind of could have gone any way any direction. Um, in terms of just us individually and the business circumstance, the health of the business, the market's circumstance and the stress that was coming at us from the outside, um, it was uh, being gambled on the table, I would say. Just what we went into the hand with, you know, he and I, and then what, what ended up, you know, transpiring. So, you know, thank the Lord we have a really great, healthy father-son relationship yeah. and, and, and business-wise, we were able to manage the transition successfully. But, um, but you know, I think if you've seen the movie Back to the Future 2 or 1 maybe, this is in 1, I think, where he's playing the guitar and he's got the picture up on the fretboard and people are fading from the picture like because he's mm-hmm. not going to save their marriage mm-hmm. and like history is basically erasing them. I think about that scene mm-hmm. with my dad a little bit um, just because we... There was a time there where I felt like some of the pa- faces were starting to fade mm-hmm. from the picture, and uh, Marty, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I think he would, you know, he would say the same. We were, yeah, we were, we were going through a lot. So well, so why did it turn out good? I mean, that's a huge loaded question, yeah. but dude, <laughs> and it's not like so. You might go, well, we're a little lucky, I guess, and I mean, and luck's a thing, but yeah. If in that case, but I doubt it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I know it wasn't just luck so yeah talk about that i mean it if if i were going to answer a simply worded question with a simple answer i would say it's just been god's goodness to our family um to protect us from a lot but of course god uses ordinary means or you know practical manners Mm -hmm. to accomplish those ends and i would say practically speaking if i were to pick up on some of the keys that were played um so I met you, mm. and uh, I was dealing with a lot of frustration with the way things had gone. At this point, I was five or six years in. I was um, leading sales and then leading operations um, in the 2009 time frame, and it just didn't go the way I pictured it. You know, we were struggling as an organization and struggling culturally, struggling financially, 
relationally, I was struggling with my dad. We were fighting a lot, and um, I was just piling up stress mm. and uh, frustration. And uh, when I met you, you know, through a, a church relationship, um, I just was you. You provided a context for me to just talk some of that stuff out. It was very beneficial for me to just kind of mm. share with someone what I was dealing with because um, it's a lonely place. I mean, when you when you run a company that has X amount of people working there that depend upon you for a salary and you feel like that's going to be tough to pull off, to pay everybody on time. Um, you know, if you're a person who's not just like a bad guy and you want to like take care of people who have put their lot in with you and care about the outcomes, then, uh, that bothers you, you know, Mm -hmm. stresses you out, keeps you up at night. Mm -hmm. So I was dealing with all that. And I think, you know, so the crux of it is, um, most, so uh, you, you gave that arc of the first, second, third, fourth gen. So if, I think ours may be a little bit more, maybe it's more condensed. So I think maybe the, because we had to reinvent the company before it really got fully got to the second generation, I think we had some of that kind of third, maybe third or fourth generation struggle mm-hmm. earlier on mm-hmm. where the business had to be reinvented. And, um, so I think most second gen or people who come in with, with a business and they, they step in and they kind of reinvent or reinvigorate, bring some vision, bring some people, start to catalyze. Um, it, it can start to feel like it's your business mm-hmm. as a second or third generation. You don't own yeah. anything, but yeah. you can start to feel like you own it. Yeah. And uh, because of the, sweat, the idea of sweat equity, even though there's nothing on paper and you know, there's been no transaction written, um, you know, the language that's used is kind of like you, people kind of see it like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, second gen. He's running things already. He's going to own it someday. <clears throat> and and talking specifically about me, you can wrongly see yourself as the owner. Yeah. And you are not. <laughs> and uh, and I that think, was clear. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I but yeah. I think, you know, it, it's a question of how long will you hold on to that? Mm. And and uh, because. Whoever owns it, if it's first gen or second gen or however however far along it is, <clears throat> they have a whole different perspective on that. So, you know, they they built it or they have people that report to them, and um, you know they, you know, in my case, maybe they pay for your college and then give you a job and watch you grow and give you opportunities to make mistakes. They, but when you're sitting there in the second gen role and you you feel like you've rebuilt it, you kind of feel like you're already walking in a place where you own it and first gens or previous gen is not thinking that way. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to open your eyes up to that perspective on your own. And that's one of the reasons why I say, I think the Lord was really good to us because he opened my eyes up to the fact that like, this is not your business and you need to just Mm -hmm. forgive your dad um, for whatever wrongs you think he's done to you. Yeah. So yeah, I walked into his office one day, this was in the midst of us like pretty much fighting constantly. I mean, I remember Scott, Scott and I were close friends and we had worked to rebuild the business and, you know, had similar views on a lot of things. I remember him sitting me down separately and saying like, Hey man, whenever it's you and your dad in a meeting, it is awkward. Mm. Like you guys disagree with everything the other Mm. person says, and it doesn't even matter what it is. It's just antagonistic. Just because like, it's just that because that's his viewpoint. Let me give you the devil's advocate on that. You know? And, uh, I was unaware of it. You know, I just, you know, just was thinking it was. it was like, hey, you know, he's you got another bad idea, and I've got another better one type thing. <laughs> and he was thinking the opposite. He was thinking like, here yeah. we go again, getting yeah. my idea, you know, thrown down. So, hmm. 
Mm. Um, so it was at that point that I recognized that like I needed to let go. So I went into his office one day and I said, Hey, this is your business. I have wrongly, I've acted like I have equal say in it. I don't, um, kind of your move. Like, I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm just going to try and do a really good job. Mm. And, uh, I'm going to stop fighting with you. Wow. And, uh, and you know, that, that everything changed from that point. Mm. Um, just recognizing what the actual circumstance was and admitting that and apologizing mm. for being, you know, an idiot, um, with him that started the road to recovery for us and, uh, created an opportunity for us to successfully transition. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It's, it, I remember that time I, it's, uh, I mean, I didn't, I guess I didn't remember. I didn't know quite how intensely mm. it, you felt or he felt, but, yeah. um, but uh, so so you, I I got three points here so far that you've said is uh, first of all, God, providence, mm-hmm. like somebody's got to be looking out for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on a track in some ways that we can't do a lot about, and um, so definitely uh, God. Second, a good advisor or support person, support system. Yeah. Uh, and then third, humility mm-hmm. or forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, soft-hearted, open-handed, um, recognizing who's, what is whose, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's a that's a big deal. That is something I see all the time in these family businesses. There's confusion around what is whose uh, yeah. roles. I mean, ownership first of all. You know, yeah. where, you know, I can't tell you how many times. I should be kind of careful, but. Um, well, we're talking along, and there's this, you know, I'm facilitating a bunch of fights a yeah. lot of times. <laughs> a lot. And like, you go to your corner and shut up, and you put that down, you know, yeah. and uh, <laughs> don't swing that thing in here, and, you know, just mm-hmm. so. But, uh, like, hey, can we just get out the uh, operating agreement and just kind of, do you got one of those? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes we got to go all the way back to that, and just like in a, in a marriage, you know, if you're having a marital fight and you get out the prenup, if you have a prenup, which I would not suggest, I'm <laughs> yeah. just not saying, I'm just, I, <laughs> but anyway, I do not have one. You get that thing out, it's like, or, you know, maybe you get out your marriage vows. Mm. And you're like, now it says right here, back in, you know, May of 89, you said blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, if you're getting that thing out, Mm-hmm. Which I think that's actually really helpful, maybe to get that out. But you're, you know, some things are really busted at that point, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, but all that to say, a lot of times it's really, really unclear from a ownership, like literal uh, uh, asset ownership, whose is what. Yeah. Maybe even between the partners. Yeah. You know, a fifty-fifty partnership can be a little dubious because, you know, just like hey, we both own the kitchen. Well then, why is it dirty? Is that my fault or your fault mm-hmm. or who should? Yeah. You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's it's frustrating and difficult and and thorny. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway, but then also, who owns what roles? Yeah. Like who owns what? Who's gonna do what? And how are you gonna? Uh, how do we know if you did it and if it's good? And if it's not good, what do we do about it? And if it is good, does that mean you get some profits or shares or? 
You know, and all that is so, also in family business, there is so much compensation flying around mm-hmm. that is, uh, that it undermines profitability, true profitability, um, that it, it makes it super murky. Yeah. Figure out, is this sure. business even valuable, mm-hmm. you know, or fruitful? Uh, and when people buy and sell businesses, they do that all time accountants and all that. There's yeah. all these cars and gas cards and, yep. you know, vacation homes and all sorts of little perks that are like sewed into the business mm-hmm. that can make it real murky. Yeah. So, Agreed. Uh, yeah. Well, so God, a good advisor and a serious dose of humility. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a pretty good hand. <laughs> you know, yeah, it sounds like good, think, yeah. a pretty good plan. I think that the um, because it because you care so much, you know, most businesses. If you're talking about somebody who's a decent human being who comes into a family business that they didn't build, there's this level of care for what it is and how it goes that is is grafted deeply. Mm. You know, it's just in it's in the DNA. Mm. And um, you know, we by default, most of us are looking forward to the opportunity to make our parents proud or family proud, and because, you know, I, there was a time where I envied my friends who just had a job, mm. you know, they just worked someplace and made a good living mm. and just went home and that was the job, you know, and you know, it was like always a part of my heart and, you know, mind just wandering through it in, during the, during the day or night because, um, I mean, you can't shake what matters to you, you know, if it matters to you, then it matters and you're thinking about it. And so, you know that balance of want to, you know, come into the business and save the day and be the golden child, the one that you know, gets the pride of your parents. And, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, make a good name for the business that your dad started. And, mm-hmm. and when you feel like you're kind of worrying at that, it can be just a real stretch. Mm-hmm. And I definitely felt that. Did you ever feel like as a kid that your dad had this other kid named Teletronics? I did not get that feeling. No. Um, I, I might have thought about it simply. Um, you know, I remember when things were good at work, mm-hmm. things were good at home. So, you know, good year, good bigger Christmas. Um, you know, generally better mood. Mm. Um, when we were in a tough spell, um, it was kind of obvious around the house things tightened up a bit, and there was a bit more pressure. Like mm. it was a little more tense, and. Um, but, you know, I just understood that was the way it is. You know, I mean, dad runs a business and, you know, we're going to do, you get those, the outcomes are the outcomes and you got to manage, manage those. But no, I didn't, I didn't feel he, you know, would come to all my, you know, sporting events and, um, you know, we do stuff on the weekends when he was home, you know, from work and stuff. And I, I don't remember him going into the office on the weekends or, yeah. you know, working late consistently. Mm. So oh, good for him. Yeah. That's not normal. That part, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. We have uh, that's some client work I was doing lately, and uh, family ownership, family top level management, and uh, bringing in uh, kind of developing a person up through the organization that is starting to take over. Uh, I would call that a general manager position. You know, significant top-level leadership. And as we were kind of plotting that, 
uh, and building that seat and kind of creating clarity around that, which the family members, the two, him and her, had never done. You know, I mean, it's just they evolved. It, this thing evolved as part of their family. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had this conversation with this next person, like, listen, this business is one of their kids. This is mm -hmm. this is a big deal to them. Yeah. Like, in a similar way that a kid would be. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe and then maybe that's not healthy, but uh, but it's often true. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, oh, really? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, when you're when you're not, you know, when you're building a business from scratch, it's a big deal, and it stays a big deal, and it's, and it's part of your mojo or yeah. part of your kind of, I don't know, life story. Uh, but when you have a day job. And mm -hmm. you just kind of get hired into the thing. Uh, yep. Well, you can always get another one. Or it has a it yeah. has a certain amount anyway of uh, optional. It has an optional component, you know. Yep. And when you own a business, it doesn't feel optional at all. It yeah. feels terminal if it's done or if it's gone. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're, this will kill me if this thing goes bad. Yeah. Um. So I know I know that a lot of people that are not in family businesses don't have that same yeah. context. Um. And also, a lot of families feel like a lot of kids, and it's great that you didn't feel this way, but a lot of kids growing up in a family business feel like they they are the, uh, I don't know, redheaded stepchild, and that the business is the real kid. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's like, hey, did I get adopted? You know? And, or is the business the, the real kid? So, yeah. I would say, so I, I never felt in competition with it like another sibling, but I did get a clear sense when I started working for my dad in my twenties that a lot of his identity was intermingled with the organization. So the, the person I used to, used to kind of give the analogy, it's been a long time since I gave this one, but the idea of like two trees kind of growing together, you know, where you can kind of see like two trunks on the ground, but as they start to, you know, they're so close together that they, they start to kind of blend into one. And when you look up, you can't, the branches, it's very difficult to tell which is which. And, you know, that what gives life meaning and the mission, the way that you spend your time, you give your best intention and, uh, you know, your best energy to. Um, for f 40 years, if it's your business, then the line at which that stops and you start is very hard to find. Mm -hmm. And it's scary. I think for a lot of, uh, for a lot of the generation that's exiting, whether it's a first in our case or whatever, um, that can be a very scary line to go try and find because it does beg some questions hmm. about your life and, you know, what, what have I done and what is it and can I let go of it and am I ready for that? Um, and I think what I've heard from other second or third gen uh, business guys that have taken over their parent family's business um, is that that's always a struggle for them is – how long, when, um, hold, you know, holding on too long and, and having to, uh, you know, just sort through a very complicated conversation of like, is it time? When's the time? If now's not the time, when is it? And I think, you know, for a lot of the, in my case, let's just say first generation, first generation is not wanting to have that conversation. Um, and it's, they're reluctant to do that. And, um, and that, that's where a, Really, I didn't read the book, but I read the title, and that was enough. Mm. Uh, was the, the book Radical Candor? Mm -hmm. I read some of it, but um, 
sometimes truthfulness is really necessary mm-hmm. and just to say what you need to say in a, in a, you know, not in a harsh way, but in a serious way, say what needs to be said. Yeah. And then the book necessary endings was a really mm-hmm. seminal book for me. Um, in the conversation about like knowing when it's time to have a serious conversation about like, Hey, this isn't working for either of us. So what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and like, do you agree that this has gotten really hard <laughs> and that w- this isn't fun anymore. And like, how do we fix that? And there's some ways that are very difficult to apply. And there's some that are actually quite, uh, come out of the collaboration around it. And it's, mm. you know, amenable to both parties. And we, yeah. we've had that happen yeah. quite a bit, which is part of that first to second gen or second to third gen family business stuff is that it's not just the owner, but it's the, the group that came along with that generation is yeah. now in the business and is maybe their peers with the person that's exiting mm-hmm. and they're wondering like, what's next now? Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. and we, we had a lot of that. Yeah. Give some advice, uh, to that 30 or 40 year old who's taken over the reins. Uh, and maybe there's a equity transition as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a couple angles, one, um, how would you, what would you say to that person is the most, g- give me a couple of big ideas for them, for the, for the, for the second gen or the mm-hmm. next gen around, here's how you ought to handle or think about this or pro- process this, or don't forget this big thing. And then secondly, and kind of a tagging off of that or a tail, uh, uh, you know, tagging along with that, give some advice to the older gen gen that's going i've got this thing that i've done all my life what do i do now like how do i my identity my time my schedule my headspace it's all wrapped up in this thing how do i let it go assuming that finances and all that is uh you know not an issue which is Mm -hmm. not true but uh man well if you can get it, have a great spouse mm. would be the, uh, the first, <laughs> the first advice. Uh, yeah. or like, I guess maybe in my case, recognition of what worked. Um, mm. my wife really supported me mm. and listened to me and gave me counsel when in the few times when she did, but most of the time it was just to listen to what I was, you know, maybe wrestling with as a mm. 30, 40 year old going through that, um, being able to talk it out that it feels so lonely, I think is, is the biggest thing, you know, that, that spot feels so lonely and you, it feels so unique mm. to you. Like, this is what happened with my dad or my mom or whatever, and my uncle. And, you know, this is my situation. This is how much money I've made at this point. I've, I've been vastly underpaid or, you know, I, I have no equity and, you know, now here we are at this spot and I'm not getting credit for all this stuff. And now I have to pay X amount for the business, whatever. Um, you just get super lost in your own head. And a lot of that is like not true, actually, mm-hmm. you know, it's like part of it's true. Like some of that is true, mm-hmm. but you lose track of all that. Like I did an interview and I, you know, my education was paid for and I, you know, X, Y, and Z, all these other benefits. You kind of lose mm-hmm. track of those when you're staring at the negatives. And, you know, when you get a good view of all the positives and negatives, I remember feeling like, man, I'm a spoiled brat. Mm. Wow. Like, look at all this opportunity that I've been given. And yeah, I mean, I, you know, if it was a court case being heard, I had evidence 
A, B, C, D, E, and I think a court would say, yeah, that probably isn't the way it should have gone. That's not fair. But then, you know, the defense would lay out its pieces of evidence and, you know, I think the the case looks a lot different. I, that's where the humility, I think, does yeah. come in where you're like, you know, we've got to take an honest look at this thing. Um, my wife helped me do that. Mm. And I think, well, I feel unqualified to give mm. advice to the <laughs> 60, 70, 80 year old, but I think um, the thing that I'm going to do if, it, you know, as the time approaches for not just mine, but, um, you know, other owners of the business, their family to get in, um, the next hire we make that's family, um, is to do a better job planning what that looks like and when, um, mm-hmm. or to do a good job of it, to understand, like, how are we going to handle these things when they come up? I remember, um, so there's an organization, a local organization called Independence Excavating. That's a family yeah. construction business. And we, we had an IT contact that we worked with at another company that went to work there in the last year or two. And there's a ton of the fam- of family with the same mm-hmm. last name in this business. Yeah. There's like yeah, yeah. 25 people wow. with the same last name. Jeez. It's a, you know, several hundred people, yeah. I think. And um, the first day or first week in onboarding, they gave this new hire who doesn't know anybody an org chart and defined a family tree for them. Huh. Like, here's here's this person, here's where he stands in terms of ownership, and here's where here's the role that he has. Hmm. And to be that intentional, when you were talking about operating agreement, I was thinking also of org chart. Mm-hmm. Like, like, for a family business, how complicated it is for, for you to produce an accurate org chart. Yeah. So org charts are boxes and lines. Um, so how many squigglies and dotteds and like mm-hmm. mm, colors and different things do you have to do to make that actually make sense? Uh, I think is a pretty good like litmus test for like how clean are my corners in terms of family in this business. Um, because if it's like, I can't do this, like this person will hate it and that per- that's not going to work for that person. And then like, this isn't true because that person doesn't actually work for that person. I know that person works for me, but it kind of has this boss in between us that if those are the com- the conversations happening, then probably some work to do mm-hmm. to get ready for uh, to add a family member. Yeah. Um, which, you know, go into like EOS type thinking and seats on the bus and re- and accountability chart stuff. That's where, you know, it, it gets muddied in a business with, without family ownership and probably equally with it. Where, yeah, yeah. Like, what am That's I responsible great. for? What's my job? Where do I stand? Who's my boss? Who works for me? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's great. So, I, and I love that. I think that's all good stuff. I agree. Uh, now, you know, folks can't do much about the spouse thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got what you got, what you got. Although some folks are like, yeah, I can. Okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. But so you're saying three things. First of all, spouse, your your wife has been a major component in this turning out good. Yeah. Uh, secondly, necessary endings. So kind of getting good at go uh courage to change things end things say things present things yeah uh understanding how the endings are important for next stages yeah it's a great book too by the way uh i remember telling you about that yes you did (laughs) i didn't know i didn't know it was gonna have such a big impact uh but it is a wonderful Mm. book uh, what's his name? Cloud. Uh, Dr. Yeah, Henry. Sorry, Henry Cloud. And then third, uh, you said clarity. 
um, summarizing of clarity, yeah. but clarity of organizational clarity, uh, who's, who's boss or who, where, yeah. where's this accountability flow? And then how do you fit in the family? So mm-hmm. those are two different org charts maybe, or two yeah. different flow charts or two different sets of truths, but that's great. I didn't know they did that at independence. That's a really smart idea. Yeah, I think so, so too. Here's who's related to who and how they're related. And then here's where everybody's jobs are. Everybody's. It's a strong indicator that they understand the biggest rut mm. that they'll get stuck in. Mm. Most likely as a, I don't know how many generations they are mm. with that much family. It's like, if you have a good business, you want your family to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want to like unnecessarily bar family from it because it complicates relationships. Right. But if you can protect that and put up the necessary fences mm-hmm. so that that won't kill you, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. But if you're not willing to put up those fences, it could be terminal. There's no yeah. question about that. Like it'll, it'll, yeah. if, if nothing else, it'll really desperately erode the culture because people just, you know, getting ahead and, you know, is this a flat organization where family's going to get promoted regardless? And, um, you know, like there's no rule book. It's like trying to play Monopoly without a rule book. If you've got a family business without, right. you know, any clarity on who the family is and what they're, because it's like, right. well, how do you win this game? Like, how do you move forward? Um, that it, it feels like that's been robbed from an employee of a family business. If that's not clear. Yeah. I have used that metaphor in, in, um, navigating family fights and family business. Exactly. I probably like, swiped hey, it from you then. Sorry. You guys are, uh, you guys, have you guys played Monopoly as a kid? You know what I mean? Literally in the family. Yeah, we did. We hated it. Well, is, did you follow the rules? No, we made them up. Okay. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're doing it now too. And it's, mm-hmm. but we got real money on the table. Yeah. Um, and things that are quote money that are better than money. And that's why we teed mm-hmm. up this song, Finer Things, because. Yeah. There's some good stuff in life that family business can have a real impact on. Yeah. But it it can be part of that thing, family business. It ought to be. It can be really beautiful and, and life-changing to build a business that impacts other families mm-hmm. as well. It gives other families jobs, other families incomes, and meaningful work and a place to live, a place to belong, really. Yeah. Live emotionally and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and we need that. People need that. Uh, and as a business owner, that is kind of God's work, right? To mm-hmm. build this thing that folks, where folks can hang out and go, this is my life. Yeah. I'm in this guy's business. And isn't this cool? And, you know, you build this, uh, I call it the micro kingdom. You know, you're mm-hmm. building this little mini kingdom, yeah. which is cool uh, for that reason. Is As a benevolent person, yeah. you know, now if you're a butthead. Tyrant. Everybody should quit, you know, yep. leave. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I would say maybe I don't think I've said this very well going through it, but the ongoing recognition that no business is worth your family. Mm. And you know, you can very it's very loud, you know, just the money side and the pride side and the, you know, day-to-day clients and and employees. Your mind is full and you can forget that that business is not worth burning up your spousal or relationship with your kids or relationship with your parent if it's a multi-generational thing and being and being able to just put that on the table and mm-hmm. say like hey this the family is the most important part of this thing mm-hmm. we're not going to lose 
our, our relationship over this. Like, yeah. we're not going to put that on the table. We're not doing like pink slips, you know, we're not, yeah. we're not going to put our cars out there when we're playing a hand of poker. Like, sorry, we're not, we're not going that far. And you have yeah. to, I think if you can just do like a mutual kind of truth and di- discussion and say like, I'm un- unwilling to lose you as a dad or mom, or I'm unlosing to, I'm unwilling to lose you as a son in this. It does really soften the soil for a better conversation, which I think we did, you know, many times on both sides and all sides, really. My partner, Scott, did that same thing, too, with his his parents. And mm. so, which yeah, is commendable. Well, thanks for leading the way for us, buddy. You're uh, you're a great example of how to do some bunch of this stuff. Just about everything you do is like, man, buddy, show us how. So I love that. Uh, and there, I know there are a lot of family businesses out there, youngsters and uh, parents, uh, first or second gen, gen, that will get a lot of value from what you've talked about. Uh, and so thanks for sharing it. Thanks for being candid. Thanks for being an open book for us. You bet. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, and we're looking forward to the next one. Next one, me too. Right. Thanks for having me, Mark. Yes, sir. Love you, brother. Yep. Back at you. So the finer things. So keeping that in mind, some good stuff out there mm-hmm. worth giving our all for. Business can be some of that, but only if it's pointing at some of that richer human stuff, family, relationships, etc. So with that being said, we got uh, that's in the can. O two O. O two O. Wrapped it up. Nice mm-hmm. number. Yes, it is. Yeah. Good combo, buddy. Yeah, thanks. All right. Anything left there? I got nothing left. I sipped my wine.